Prayer for Illumination. God of shining splendor, your voice makes the earth tremble in wonder. Overshadow us with your spirit so that we may hear your word and live life and live as faithful disciples and covenant people. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there. I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses set out with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up onto the mountain of God. To the elders he had said, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Look, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute may go to them. Then Moses went up, to the, went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the Israelites. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. The voice of the Lord, powerful and full of majesty. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this Transfiguration Sunday comes to us from Matthew chapter 17, the first nine verses. Listen to the word of the Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Friend of Moses, Strength of Elijah, you go with your people and give them your spirit. 
May the child of your heart transfigure the mortal world that love may know no bounds. Through Jesus Christ, the Beloved One. Amen. I am a good Midwestern boy. Born in St. Louis, I've lived in Rockford, Illinois, the north suburbs of Chicago, Dayton, and then to the very heart, the heart of the heart of the Midwest, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so I know a thing or two about Midwest winters, and I have even come to love them. But for three years, Sarah and I lived in Orlando, where the winters are the worst. It's so boring. One sunny 75 degree day after another with very little rain. And I know what you're thinking. You think that sounds so nice. And maybe it is. But here is my question. What does that kind of weather teach you about the struggles of life? For those of us who are blessed to live with gray, cold, up-and-down weather, we have the privilege of knowing that life isn't just sunshine and roses. Life includes clouds and cold, snow and wind. Cold winters can feel like they will last forever, yet the promise of warmer days is always just around the bend. Think of it this way. If George Harrison had grown up in Miami Beach instead of Liverpool, he would have never written, Here Comes the Sun. <laughs> and then where would we be? Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here. But here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say, See, if George only knew sunny days, he never would have celebrated the return of the sun after the long, cold, lonely winter, and we would have never known this incredible song. You see, we only truly appreciate beauty when we have known suffering. And part of how we endure suffering is by having seen and tasted beauty. And that is what the transfiguration is all about. See, that's what we call a transition. An extraordinary moment of beauty that gives us what we need to endure great suffering. And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples witness a beauty that they had only dreamed of. What happened up there? How long did it last? <laughs> Who knows? The whole event is shrouded in mystery and it all takes place on a mountain. Well, Matthew's gospel has three mountains. One at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end. The one at the beginning we've been on the last few weeks as we've been with Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. And then there is a mountain at the end after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And on that mountain, he gives us his greatest promise of all, that he will be with us always to the very end of the age. And then in the middle is the Mount of Transfiguration, and that's where we are today. We skip from the beginning of the story straight to the middle in preparation for the end. 
Lent begins this week, where every year we follow Jesus on a 40-day journey to his death and resurrection. And tradition tells us that the transfiguration took place 40 days before the crucifixion, which is why we always recognize Transfiguration Sunday on the Sunday before Lent. It is one of the lesser-known holidays, yeah, for sure. It's not one that we, like, mark our calendars for, oh, wait, here comes Transfiguration. Yet I think it is a holiday we need nonetheless because we live our lives in the middle place between our own beginning and our end. That's what it means to be alive, to be caught somewhere in the middle. The Mount of Transfiguration is liminal space where we glimpse a glory that will sustain us for the difficult road ahead. Because one way or another, struggle comes for us all. That's inevitable. The only question is, how will we respond to struggle? So our story begins, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up the mountain by themselves. And when you heard that, you might have thought to yourself, six days after what exactly? Great question. Thank you for asking. Just before this account that we heard, Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responds to Peter saying, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's an incredible promise, an incredible moment. Jesus promises to build a people upon Peter's confession, a people that will overcome death itself. That's us, by the way. But before these people overcome death, Jesus says they must first go through it. You see, it's not just Jesus who's going to die. Eventually, we all will. The path to victory first goes through defeat. It's first suffering, then glory, death before resurrection. And what was true of Jesus is true of us as well. The life of faith is a life of paradox, where seeming opposites belong together. But Peter didn't like that. He, he wanted glory without suffering, victory without defeat, life without paradox. And I don't think he's the only one. But Jesus assures us this is the way, and there is no other. It's six days after all of this that he leads Peter, James, and John up the mountain by themselves. And it's there that Jesus is transfigured before them. His face shines like the sun. His clothes become dazzling white. And in this extraordinary moment, the disciples see Jesus for who he really is, the light of the world. It's not just a metaphor. Jesus is the radiant, shining light of divine glory, and he is beautiful. And then Moses and Elijah show up too, because why not? And together they stand as representatives of the entire biblical tradition, the law and the prophets. And Jesus, as you recall, has not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them to complete their work once and for all, 
that humanity might be restored to its intended purpose, that we too might be revealed as the light of the world. That's what this is all about. Now, most reflections on the Transfiguration focus on Jesus and how his divine nature is revealed through this event. And that's certainly true. The takeaway of this story is that Jesus is the divine Son, therefore we should listen to him, which is exactly what the voice from the cloud says, interrupting Peter, this is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. We heard these same words at Jesus' baptism repeated once again, but with this little addition at the end, listen to him. I think that's what being a Christian is all about. Listening to Jesus with our ears, our hearts, our minds and our hands, our time and our wallets. That all of who we are is oriented toward listening to Jesus. And sadly, the church has often forgotten this most basic orientation or ignored it completely. The church's greatest harms have come about because we've failed to listen to Jesus. Whether it's our sad history of anti-Semitism and colonialism, our support of the Crusades and the African slave trade, or more recently racial segregation here in our own country, or in our present time, the church's suppression of women in the LGBTQ community. None of these things came about by listening to Jesus. Because nothing that Jesus said or did can ever be used to justify oppression. Nothing. Sure, you can point to other scriptures, but not to Jesus. And that's the whole point of Moses and Elijah being up here on the mountain. God is telling Peter and he is telling the rest of us, if you perceive a conflict between Jesus and other scriptures, always listen to Jesus. It really is that simple. And if the church had simply done that, then our history of oppression would instead be a history of liberation. It's not too late to change our own history. If only we listen to Jesus. When we listen to Jesus, we see the glory of divine light shining through him, for he is the light of the world. But that's, that's not all there is to this story. God didn't send Jesus just so that we'd see the divine light in him. God sent Jesus that we might see the divine light in him and then in everything else as well. Remember, Jesus came to complete the work of the law of the prophets. And that work is that we might learn to love our neighbors as ourselves, that we might see the divine light in all people, even in ourselves. Remember what Jesus said to us just a couple weeks ago on the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world, so let your light shine. And so the work of the transfiguration is to see God's light everywhere we look, even when it's cold and gray out. It's learning to trust that the light of God shines on us all, even when we are suffering, even when the world appears to be falling apart. Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. 
Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here. But here comes the sun. And I say it's all right. The life of faith is a life of paradox where seeming opposites belong together. Loss and victory, death and resurrection, mountaintops and valleys, and through it all we remain God's beloved children in whom God is well pleased. The last few weeks at the Adult Forum, we've been blessed to learn about Islam from Lubna and Muhammad Ahmad. And they have taught us about this great faith tradition that is so misunderstood and mischaracterized. And and I've only read tiny parts of the Quran, but for years now I've enjoyed the poetry of the 14th century Sufi mystic Hafez. And I read a poem of his this week that to me sums up the work of the Transfiguration perfectly. One day, the sun admitted, I am just a shadow. I wish I could show you the infinite incandescence that has cast my brilliant image. I wish I could show you when you are lonely or in darkness the astonishing light of your own being. Beloved, the light of God shines in Christ, but not only in Him, also in you. And so when the long, cold, lonely winter gets you down and it feels like years since it's been here, remember the sun is already shining in you in me, and everywhere you look. Amen.